as you know, uh, we are going through the Statement of Faith for the Atlantic Gospel Chapel. And uh, the, the portion that I have uh, been studying on is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, to tell you the truth, um, I've learned a lot uh, in studying this. You know, um, it's amazing, you know, you can be, you know, raised in a Christian family and you can go to church, you know, every Sunday and, you know, and, and read your Bible and everything, which is all good stuff. But, you know, sometimes you just kind of gl- uh, gloss over some, some things. And, and so this, is, this has been really good for me, and I hope it's g- uh, good for you also. Um, we'll just start off with, with the statement of faith. It goes like this. Uh, we believe the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and during this age to convict those without Christ uh, as their Savior of their sin and regenerate the believing sinner. He also indwells, guides, instructs, and empowers the believer for godly living and service. So, you know, when you stop and think about, as you've read through the Bible, and uh, you think of how many times the Holy Spirit is mentioned, and you know, especially I, I think, you know, as I read through the Old Testament, you know, it's it's mentioned a couple times, or he's mentioned a couple times, but you know, it, it doesn't seem like very much. And I know in the newer testament, in the New Testament, he's mentioned more often. But I went back and, and just looked through, um, and I use uh, Ryrie um, studies, and in in Ryrie there, you know, the Holy Spirit's mentioned six hundred times in the Bible, at least that many times. At least one hundred and fifty of those times is in the Old Testament. You know, and. You, and at least I, it didn't sink into me until now that that was that it was spoken of that that often, and and so uh, there was a couple places there, a couple uh, references that I went back, and sure enough, it's it's there. <laughs> so it's interesting. Um, the Holy Spirit uh, ha- has always been around. You know, it's not like it was something that just happened in the New New Testament. So um, we see actually the Holy Spirit mentioned in, in the second verse of, of Genesis 1 uh, in creation. And we also see the Holy Spirit mentioned in Revelation uh, at the very end, chapter 22, verse 17, you know, where it says uh, the Spirit and the, and the bride say come. So we can see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is throughout the, the Bible. The Holy Spirit is a, is a person. He is a personality. He is, he is mentioned as he or him. We all know that he's the third person of the Trinity. Uh, Doug went over that uh, a few weeks ago. And we realize that um, he's very important. Um, he knows and searches the things of God, uh, which is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And, and he can be grieved uh, by man's sin. So we, we see these, these personality uh, attributes of him. Uh, he, is, he is a person. He is... Uh, a very real person. It's kind of interesting, um, you know, through the ages, you know, has uh, different churches have have s- kind of gone their own way and stuff, how some of them have no uh, regard to the Holy Spirit at all. They just have kind of um, said that he doesn't exist or something. I don't know, or they've given him no, no credit, no uh, respect at all. And I, I think, how in the world uh, do they justify that? Um, we know that in the, whole, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came uh, into men, uh, but, but temporarily. Uh, he, in, he indwelt uh, Joseph. Uh, a verse there, it says, uh, in whom is a divine spirit. Uh, he also uh, indwelt uh, Joshua and Daniel and you know, many others. Um, 
he was, the Spirit was abiding with these Old Testament men, but this is a, a, a temporary thing, and it was a selective indwelling. This, not everybody uh, was indwelt with the, with the Spirit. In the New Testament, we see that um, at belief in Christ, the Spirit takes up uh, permanent residence in the believer. And, and that's in, in John uh, 14, 17, and we'll, and we'll go on and uh, read that here in a second. But, um, you know, when Jesus uh, was towards the end of his, of his ministry, he said, um, basically, he's leaving, and he's, he's going to send us somebody to, to help us. And so I'd like to look at John uh, chapter 14. Um, and if you look at John 14, the, the very first verse says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So we can see that, that Jesus is uh, concerned with mankind, that he wants to, to comfort mankind. He doesn't want us to feel abandoned. Verse, skipping down to verse 16, uh, John 14, verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's, it's comforting to know the Lord Jesus uh, had, has big plans for us, Right? We know that he will not abandon us. He, he didn't want us to, to fear and, and to be, uh, you know, to feel like we've been orphaned, that, that he is a, um, doesn't care about us or anything like that. Notice there in verse 16 it says, and I will give you another helper. Not just, I will give you a helper. So we realize that, that the Holy Spirit is, is much like the Lord Jesus in the fact that Jesus was here as a helper. Jesus was here to, to help mankind. And I don't know about you, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of times in life I need a helper. You know, I need somebody to, to help me out because I, you know, get myself into, into a situation or something that, that I just need some help on uh, getting, getting it figured out. So we all need a helper. And further on down there in, in, uh, in 14, it says, uh, verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. I like that. He brings to our remembrance the things that I said to you. So, you know, as we read in, in the New Testament, especially as we, as we read what, what God has done for us, what the Lord Jesus uh, preached and, and, and told people, um, you know, I don't know how your memory is, but as I'm getting older, I'm noticing my memory's not as good as it was, you know? And so it's good to always have this remembrance, this, this uh, reminding uh, to us. John 15 says, uh, down verse 26, it says, uh, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. And I think of, I think of this, uh, where it says that uh, you, he will testify about me, uh, reminds us of, of who Jesus is. That's one of the things that he testifies, right? He, he reminds us of who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and why Jesus did it. You know, when you, th- when you think about Jesus, you think of, well, who is he? 
Who was he? Well, we realize that he is the Son of God. What did Jesus do? He took on our sin by his sacrificial uh, death on the cross. And why did Jesus do it? Well, because he loved us. He did it out of obedience to the Father also, but he, he did it out of love for us. We, he could have gotten out of it, I'm sure, but he didn't. He went through that death on the cross for us. And so the Holy Spirit reminds us of that. That's, that's what the, the Holy Spirit does for us. And he helps us to remember that and then to testify to others about it. And, you know, you think of the Great Commission, uh, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, that's, that's what each one of us should, should be doing. You know, we should be telling others about Christ, about what, what Jesus did for us. John chapter 16, starts, uh, let's start with verse 5, says, But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I will tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in, in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. You know, we realize that... Um, the Holy Spirit shouldn't have had to come, right? Man should have believed in the Lord Jesus and accepted the Lord Jesus, and then Jesus wouldn't have had to, had to leave and, and you know, go and prepare a place for it for us. But just the fact that the Holy Spirit is here on this earth and, and that he sent the Holy Spirit to us convicts us that we needed this Holy Spirit. We needed um, uh, this reminder of sin and righteousness and judgment. How does the Holy Spirit communicate? Um, how, how do we learn about the Holy Spirit? Well, it's accomplished through uh, the preaching of the Word, understanding the Word, uh, which was inspired by men, moved by the Holy Spirit, uh, spoke from God. And, and we see that in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 20 and 21. We realize that the Holy Spirit helped mankind to to put the thoughts together to write the Bible, and then it's up to us to, to take those words from the Bible and apply them to our lives. And that's how, that's how we understand what, what God wants for us and what, what we're supposed to be doing, how, we, how we're supposed to live our lives. Uh, there in verse 14 it says, He takes of mine and I will and we'll disclose it to you. And I think of well, what was Jesus's? Well, you think of who Jesus was and think of his actions, his deity, his perfection, what he did and who he was, you know. That's what, that's what were um, the things of Jesus, and that's the things that, that the Holy Spirit uh, reveals to us. So these last uh, references, we realize, uh, when you think about what did Jesus emphasize about the Holy Spirit? What can we learn about the Holy Spirit? Well, we know that he's the helper, right? Jesus said that several times. He's, he's a helper for us. He's the spirit of truth. We can trust him. We, we know the, the things that God's word tells us are true. He abides with believers. He reminds us of what Jesus taught. And, and that's the beautiful thing about God's word. It's written down. If, if we forget, we can go back and look and, and remind ourselves and, and study it. 
He convicts mankind of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He guides us into the truth. He speaks to us. He discloses the future, it says. And that was in uh, verse 13. He glorifies uh, the Lord Jesus, John 16, 14. And he testifies about Jesus, which we just talked about. He also helps us to testify to others about, about the Lord Jesus. I'd like us to uh, start reading in, in uh, Acts chapter 2, because this, this was the transitional moment. This was when we go from the Holy Spirit um, having kind of a, a temporary uh, place in people's lives to a permanent indwelling of, of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 1, says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing them themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were uh, Jews in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not these who are speaking Galileans? You know, what's going on here? I, we don't understand. These guys are Galileans. How can they be speaking languages that they obviously have they've never been to those countries? They don't know these things. How is it that we hear each of them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phyrgira, <laughs> and Pamphylia, uh, Egypt, and the districts of Libya and Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. So what was going on there? We realized that this was, this was very, very strange. This, this was an event. This was more than just an average thing that happens, you know, throughout people's lives, right? This was a big deal. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. First of all, these were languages. The, these these uh, disciples, uh, they, they weren't babbling. They weren't saying unknown, you know, crazy syllables and, and utterances. These were languages. And I think that's important. What were they speaking? What, what were these people hearing? It says that they were speaking the mighty deeds of God. You know, that's, that's a good thing to hear, isn't it? You know, if, I mean, I, I, could hear, I could listen to somebody, and if they were just speaking ramblings, it wouldn't mean anything to me, right? I'd tune it out, right? I, I, it means it, it's of no value. It's, it's not edifying to me. It's, it's not helping me. But if they can speak in, in a language I can understand, if somebody can tell me something in a language I can understand, I can learn from it. And that's what was going on here. <coughs> they, were <coughs> excuse me. they were speaking the mighty deeds of God. They were learning about God. They were, they were glorifying God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, 
they are full of sour or sweet wine. Uh, and we're going to get on to that later, but it's, it's kind of interesting, uh, that comparison. Um, you know, tongues are uh, evidence of the truth of the gospel. Uh, basically, it's, it's, a, it's a public miracle. It was, it was something that they'd never seen before. It was something that was obviously uh, given to them. Uh, you know, by the Holy Spirit, they they didn't these these disciples and apostles didn't know these languages. They they were given that at that time, um, and but we realized that that tongues were were basically a sign for unbelievers. It was for the unbelievers' benefit to see this, you know, to to realize the power of God and to realize the seriousness of of uh, of who God is and who Jesus uh, was before they crucified him. Uh, verse 14, uh, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prosper prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And, and just to, to make this, this clear, um, there was a, this was a partial fulfill, fulfillment of these, of these scriptures on that day. But there's a day coming um, where it will be completely fulfilled, and that's uh, you know at the end of end of tribulation, um, at the beginning of the thousand year reign. Um, going on, verse verse twenty, it says, "The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come, and it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved." To me, that's a that's a great encourage, encouragement. It's something that. Uh, you know, anybody who, who doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their Savior should read that verse. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, we have a, um, a great opportunity to, to tell others about the Lord Jesus, to, to help people understand that there, there is hope, that there is, that there is life after this life. There is a, um, something to look forward to, something that... that can be eternally wonderful versus, versus hell, right? We don't want anybody to end up, end up in hell. Uh, let's skip down to verse 32. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. So, you know, Peter was explain this is this was this is normal this is okay this is this is what jesus said was going to happen it's happened right he was letting people know this is all in in god's plan for uh for it was not david or for it for it was not david who ascended into heaven but he himself says the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies a footstool for your feet Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and, and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. You know, I bet they were feeling a little uh, sheepish at that point that they had crucified the Lord Jesus. I bet they were wishing they could have done that over again uh, and 
and uh, not crucified him. Uh, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? They realized, you know, they were in a situation, weren't they? They had, they had crucified the Lord of glory. They had crucified the very person that was sent to this world to redeem them. So what does Peter say? Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And immediately, you know, when you, when you read that verse, you think, Wait a minute. We don't, you know, we don't get saved through baptism. And that's, and that's correct. So we go back through uh, this verse. This is 38. And it says, Peter said to them, Repent, each of you uh, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and instead of the word for, it, really the, the correct translation in the, in the Greek is because of. So that changes, the, that changes the meaning of that a little bit, doesn't it? It says, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins. This is, this is what you do once, you're, once you've been forgiven, once you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, then you get baptized. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And we, we, as you, as you uh, read down further, uh, verse 41, it talks about uh, th- that these people had received um, the word. Uh, verse 40, 40, 44 jumps down. It says that, uh, uh, that those who had believed. So obviously nothing has changed here. You know, the first thing you do is you, you get saved. You, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you're saved. And then, then it's a good idea to get baptized. It's one of the things that we're supposed to do. But that baptism doesn't save you. That baptism is, is purely uh, to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ um, and his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, <clears throat> there is a, a spirit baptism. Um, Acts uh, 11, um, 16, uh, says you shall be baptized uh, in or with the Holy Spirit. Um, what's it mean to be uh, baptized by the Holy Spirit? You know, uh, baptized doesn't always mean water. Baptized doesn't, you know, just when you hear the word baptized, it doesn't mean that you always are, are you know, getting dunked in water. Baptism is basically going through something. It's, it's, it's doing something where uh, it's, it's an event, you know. Uh, we know that it happened at, on the day of Pentecost. Uh, it happens to all believers, uh, but it only happens once. That's when you're, when you're baptized is, is uh, uh, you're, all, all believers, uh, when they accept Jesus as their Savior, uh, you're baptized, and it places us into the, the, the one body of Christ. That that's, puts us all in unity together. I'd like to turn to Titus chapter 3. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to, uh, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to align no one, to be peaceful, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and in envy, hateful, uh, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, 
I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. You know, what is this washing of regeneration? This is, this is rebirth. This is becoming reborn and born again, starting over. It's a good thing, isn't it? You know, you think of, of many people have, have just really ruined their lives, have, have gone down bad roads and have really messed things up. And, you know, when you think of, when you turn your life over to the Lord, when you accept the free gift of salvation by putting your faith in Jesus, that past is, you know, it's, it's wiped out. It's, it's history, you know. It, it's, you're starting over again. You have a new life. And hopefully it, it helps people. It, 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 uh, this renewing gives people a whole new outlook on life. I think of, I think of Paul, you know, how, how even though he was religious, he, he was going the wrong direction, you know. And how he got, got blinded and got changed. And his, his whole life was radically changed. Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We're supposed to be walking according to the Spirit, right? What does that look like? Oh, we'll, we'll find out. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So what have you set your mind on? In, in your daily walk, what have you set your mind on? on self-gratification, on what can I do for me? Or have you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, the things that are pleasing to God? Have we, have we, do we read God's Word? Do we ask Him, you know, what can I do for you today? Who can I tell about you today? For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If we're living for the flesh, if we're living for ourselves, if we're just, you know, all absorbed, self-absorbed in ourselves, you know, that's not good. Those who are, in the, who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ, from, Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you're putting to death the, the deeds of the body, you will live. What are we supposed to be doing? Putting to death the deeds of the body, the things that, that are worthless, the things that um, are not pleasing to God. Our selfishness should be done away with. For you, not, you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, 
uh, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, uh, so that we may also be glorified with him. We can see this, the, the Spirit's power. He helps us put to death the deeds of the body. That's who we need to um, think about, you know, as, as we try to, to deal with, with things each day in our lives, you know. Put to death the things uh, uh, of, of this life, the, the, uh, all the, the, the habits and stuff that we've done, all the, all the things that have, have made us stumble. Deal with those things and, and uh, try to live by the Spirit. Verse 18, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the uh, anxious longing of, the, of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from the slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. I, the, the word groans is, is an interesting word to me. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, our weakness. For we do not know how we should pray. We do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know, I've heard people say before that I don't know how to pray. That's okay. From, from what we read right here, the Holy Spirit takes care of that, you know? We can, all we have to do is, is start talking. Holy Spirit will take care of it. He, it says that he groans. You know, I, I think of a groaning. And there's, and there's different reasons for groaning, I guess. Uh, you know, as you get old, you groan a little more. But um, groan is... In my mind, a, a, a measurement of seriousness. You know, when, when you groan about something, you're, you're kind of serious about it, aren't you? You're, you're thinking, you know, something needs to be dealt with. It's a pleading, isn't it? When we groan, it's a pleading. It's a pleading. A lot of times it's a pleading for help. It's a, it's a pleading. And when I think of what the Holy Spirit does for us, it says he helps us in our weakness. We don't, we don't know how to pray as we should. You know, and I think it's just, it's, it's just so beautiful they, that the Holy Spirit intercedes with us for groanings too deep for words. You know, you know as we talked about earlier, you know, tongues. You know, tongues was a known language. But I, I, think, of, I think of these groanings as, as almost a language, right? It's, it's something between the Holy Spirit and, and God the Father. You know, and it's something I can't understand, but apparently, they understand it, and that's okay with me. You know, that's, that's all we need to worry about, is that the Holy Spirit and God the Father take care of that. And he hears our, our prayers, and he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He makes God understand, or, or you know, obviously God knows this and understands everything, but he pleads our case, you know. 
Ephesians chapter 1. Jumping down to verse 13, it says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. You know, we can't lose our salvation, can we? We're sealed. That, to me, that's a comforting thought, to realize that, you know, he's, he's given us this seal. Satan can't take us away from, from God. It can't be done. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. All believers are sealed when they receive Christ as Savior. Um, we see that uh, it, it occurred, the, the sealing occurred at, at Pentecost. Um, what's the purpose of sealing? Well, I think there's several purposes. One is security. One of it is, is knowing who owns us, who, who we serve, and who uh, has rightful ownership of us, and that's God. We can't lose our salvation. The seal indi- indicates the possession by God, right? We realize in a lot of uh, old documents, they were sealed with a, with a wax seal and with a string in it and stuff. And, and, and once, you, once you stamped that seal, it was sealed, and it was uh, not to be broken. Um, it's a pledge by God. It's a guarantee. First Corinthians chapter 12. Starting with verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I will make known to you that no one speaking of the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one uh, can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. We realize this, the Spirit you know, gives, gives gifts, and there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom. These are, these are gifts. Uh, the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing of spirits, and to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same, Jesus, uh, one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. You know, there's that unity again that, that, was, that was talked about earlier, you know. That's, that's what we are supposed to be as, as believers. We are to be united. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift, according to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, um, but it, which is to be used in serving one another. These gifts aren't for self-serving. They are for helping others and, and for serving one another, Evocation of the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be helping each, each of us here understand God's word and uh, apply it to our lives. 
um, help each one of us grow. Um, I, I will say that, uh, you know, there, there are several of these gifts that, um, I hate to use the word obsolete, but, but that's kind of the way I look at it, is that the gifts aren't, um, aren't necessary now. Um, they, and, and therefore, I don't, I don't believe they're still given. Uh, and, and many people would disagree with me, but, you know, uh, you know uh, gifts of healing, you know, people who say that they can heal other people, uh, uh, do miracles, uh, people who say they do miracles and, and they can prophesy. And I don't mean by, you know, reading God's word. I mean by making up their own prophecy. Uh, you know, tongues, uh, interpretation of tongues, that sort of thing. I think those gifts are are obsolete. They're go- they're gone. There's no there's no purpose for those anymore. So I, I believe that they have um, uh, expired. Um, I'd like us to uh, go on to First Corinthians, uh, chapter six. Starting way down at verse nineteen. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You know, there's, that's further proof to me of his indwelling in us, right? The Holy Spirit's in us. He, he indwells us. As a matter of fact, it says that, he's, that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is, is to help us in our, in our lives, to, to live the Christian life, to be obedient to God, right? Uh, and so it helps to have him right inside, right? He can keep a pretty close eye on what's going on, can he? <laughs> you know, he's in us. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's skip down to verse 15. Therefore, uh, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, this is, a, this is an interesting portion of Scripture here. When we first think about it, we think back... Um, at least I do, uh, Acts chapter 2 there, where th- these guys were being accused of being drunk when they were, when they were speaking these tongues and things, and, and it just didn't seem normal. It just didn't seem like what they typically see every day. And so they thought they were drunk. And it says, it says here in this verse, it says, do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Um, what is dissipation? Dissipation. Um, uh, Webster says, uh, to indulge in uh, pleasure to the point of harming oneself. You know, dissipation is, is messing yourself up. When you think of uh, somebody who is drunk, what's the deal with somebody who is drunk? Well, they're controlled by alcohol, right? I mean, that's what it really boils down to, right? They, they are controlled. Something else has taken control of their body. And so it's, it's making this, this comparison almost of being filled with the Spirit, to, to being drunk with wine. Obviously, he's saying, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with alcohol. Don't let alcohol affect you, but let the Holy Spirit affect you. Let the Holy Spirit take control of you. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. He's, he's to help control us. He's... How do, we, how do we get filled by the Spirit there in verse, in verse 18? It says, do not get drunk with wine for that dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. How in the world do we get filled with the Spirit? It's reading God's Word, right? It's, it's how, do, how do we learn more about God? How do we have a, more of a close relationship with God? 
It's, it's by reading and studying God's word. He's controlled by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Boy, it's going to be close. All right, uh, Galatians chapter 5. For you were called to freedom, brethren. This is starting verse 13. And we do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Isn't that good? You know, each one of us, I'm sure, have had problems with carrying out the desire of the flesh, right? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. I think that's, uh, that's one of those verses that you probably ought to, you know, each one of us ought to, you know, write down and stick somewhere so we can see it every day. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we just thank you so much for this this time that we can just spend together and learn more about your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much that you've given him to us as a helper, somebody that, that we can rely on, somebody who, who makes, the, makes our prayers right, who knows our thoughts, who expresses our thoughts in, in words, in, in groanings too, too deep for words. We're just so thankful, God, that you know us, that you, that you loved us, that you sent your son to die for us. I just pray if there's anybody here that does not know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, that this morning they would accept a free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. We give you thanks for this time together. Help us to live for you. Help us just to to, uh, feel the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. And uh, I just pray that you'd be with us this next week. Help us to be uh, uh, examples to this world and help us to testify to this world. I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.